Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message brought to you by Pastor Robin. See you at church. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning, Sunday, the 1st of August. We're into the eighth month of the year and how this year is flying by. This morning, even though we're online, I'm so glad that we can be together. And even though we're restricted and there's lots of things happening in our world, in freedom, in Christ, we can come together, we can worship him together, worship in the freedom of our homes, which we can't do in our church buildings at the moment. And yet next week, we're praying that we can all be back together in the building here at Murray Bridge and uh, at the North Church as well. So let's keep praying. Let's be in prayer and upholding those that are making the decisions and that everyone will be healthy and strong and well and those decisions will be made for all of the right reasons. Amen. This morning I want to bring you a word from the book of Habakkuk and I'm going to read from Habakkuk chapter 3 um, verses 17 through 19 and many of you will know this passage of scripture very well. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labour of the olive may fail and the fruit and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word, your word in this house and every house that this the sound of my voice goes to. Lord God, I thank you for the truth of your word, the direction of your word, the strategy that comes from hearing your word and those remas that we receive, those aha moments that when we we hear your word and it really impacts into our souls. This morning I pray for my brothers and sisters that each one would just have that aha moment and Lord God that you would speak to everyone right at their point of need this morning Lord God. I pray Father you will make my tongue as the pen of a skillful writer to portray what you want me to speak this morning Lord and I give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour because it's all about you and I pray this in the matchless and the most wondrous and the most holy and awesome name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Well, let's just set a little bit of background, a bit of history about what was happening in the time that Habakkuk wrote this book. They say that Manasseh was the king in the land at the time and he was arguably Judah's most wicked king. Um, the whole book decrees the, deba- the debased spiritual atmosphere of Mar- Manasseh's day, a time that was so evil that God promised that he was going to bring a total disaster on Jerusalem and Judea as a result of the things that were happening in that. And the reference for that is 2 Kings chapter 21. It was written not long before the Babylonian siege and capture of Jerusalem in 586 BC, of course, when the temple was destroyed and the great um, yeah, disaster that that was and how the Jewish nation is still coming back from that and still planning on building the, the third temple. Manasseh filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. He restored the culture of nature worship. 
He restored Baal worship, astrology, spiritism, wizardry and witchcraft and wickedness and also human sacrifices and seduction and all that goes with that. He persecuted the prophets and he persecuted their followers as well. Tradition has it that he was the one responsible for the death of the prophet Isaiah. Rabbinic tradition holds that Habakkuk is the Shunammite woman's son from 2 Kings 4.16, whom Elisha restored to life. There's so much conflict that's evident in the book of Habakkuk and he agonises over God's seeming indifference to a great moral decay and the outright spiritual apostasy. And Habakkuk was so unable to reconcile such things with the presence of a holy and a just God, there was such conflict in his heart. So he took those concerns to God himself and the book contains his questions and God's assuring replies. And there's so much analogy that I find between this book and the book of, of Job. There are so many things that are similar along those lines with the, the dialogue that goes on between the man and our God. The book shows that God is not only eternal and glorious, but also sovereignly active in guiding all of Earth's history to his desired end. God is revealed in his word as a God of justice and mercy who has provided for the salvation of people of faith, the deliverance of his people Israel. And it also reminds the believer of the possibility of that intimate communion that we can all have with God that can overcome our deepest depression and our darkest fears and our darkest seasons of doubt that even though things that are happening around us are not great, that we can still trust in the goodness of a, of a gracious and wondrous and loving God because we don't know the end from the beginning, but he does and we need to trust him through that. The name Habakkuk means one who embraces or clings. And at the end of the book of Habakkuk, he chooses to cling to God regardless of what happens to his nation. And our, our text today is going to unpack a little bit of that. He acknowledges that the just in any generation shall live by faith in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Not sight but by faith and he concludes that chapter by praising God's wisdom even though he doesn't fully understand God's ways and with all this happening in the world at this time Habakkuk could just about be writing a newspaper article for our world today so many analogies as I was reading Habakkuk this week and I was listening to it in the car as well I love to listen as I drive that you know it stood out to me so much how many parallels we can draw from our world today and we read in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 there is nothing new under the sun it's just packaged a little differently it's just presented a little differently but persecution of Christians and Christian standards within a politically correct world where everything is tolerated by Christian standards there are you know the things that are happening and coming against the church and God's people and righteousness in these times we need to hold fast to the word of God and to live with the God life and live with Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and to speak of the hope that we have in him rejoicing always in his amazing grace and 
knowing that Christ is the answer for all. And when we know that, we can have an answer for those that ask us the hope that we have and, and his name is Jesus. We may not understand everything that's happening around us and we may have fears and uncertainties, but in it all we know that we serve a good, a great God who loves us so totally and we have a Saviour who died for us and has made a way for us so that we can be his light and his life in a, in a community and in a, a world that needs to see the light and the love of Jesus. And we are his answer for this world in our community as we go about doing the things we need to do. But let's get into our text now. I want to look at verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. There's so much here that speaks of things going wrong. There's no fruit, there's no crops, there's no food, there's no income. There's no means of income because there's no herd in the stalls. There's no way of producing them. There's, the labour is not returning the, the reward that we need to see. There's isolation, there's separation, and life is hard and life is uncertain. And so much of this speaks to me about the world that we're living in now. There is so much uncertainty. There's so much stuff happening around us that we don't have an answer for. And yet we look at this and we know that there are tough calls that need to be made. There are things that we need to make a stand on in, in, and the things that are right in God. We will not lose our joy. We will not lose our hope. We will not compromise on what we know God is wanting us to do in our world. It's, it's taking those stands in the things that are really concerning us and it's not going on our feelings. It's bringing, it's what I talked about last week, taking our feelings and looking at them and yet taking them back through the lens, the zoom lens of the word of God and what he says about it and how he wants us to respond to the things that are happening. So many things going wrong, the crops failing. No cattle in the stalls. You know, the bank didn't come through. Maybe your loan didn't come through. Maybe you had to take um, leave because you were quarantining and you didn't get paid for it. Um, you know, so many of these things that we can look at in the world we're living in and say, well, you know what, the bank is not our answer. Centrelink is not our answer. Our employer is not our answer. And yet God uses all of these things. But God is our answer. God is our refuge and strength. He is our hope. And he is the one who is going to provide for us as we hold fast to his word of truth. So many things. We need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lead not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will make straight our paths. And verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Even so, yet means even so, despite, notwithstanding, I will. This is the principle of faith in God and that despite our circumstances and despite all that's happening in our lives, I will. That means I choose. That means I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. It means I choose to walk in the joy that he has for me. It means I choose to live in the hope that he has in me and through me because of not who I am, but because of who he, he is. I choose to rejoice in God and to walk in the joy in my life, despite what's happening. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11, 1, says faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen you see faith is the planting of the seed 
and then waiting for it to grow, even though we can't see what's happening in the ground. There's a work going on in the unseen place and we can place our trust in God despite our circumstances. Our prayers are like that. We pray, we commit our cares and our concerns to God, and then we walk by faith, trusting in his goodness and in his grace and in his mercy and getting on with what he's given us to do while God does what only God can do. You see, our prayers are like the seed of faith. We are putting our faith into action by saying, God, we really want this. God, break through in this situation. God, bring healing. God, bring provision. God, open the doors that you want. Let me, God, be used of you. And as we pray that, Then we allow God to do what only God can do and his timing and his purpose and his plan in it all is then outworked. You see, there are seasons in God. We cannot plant in the winter and expect to reap in the winter unless it's a crop like a radish, which has got a two-week turnaround or something like that. But if you plant in the winter, you expect to see that, that crop come through in the spring and early summer so there's a season there's a time for every season and we know that God works through all of those seasons as well the principle is faith activating it by prayer and that we choose we make a conscious decision to not lose our joy we choose to rejoice in him even in the times of our greatest distress our worries and our concerns and our conflicts and the challenges that we might be facing 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, joy in God is never out of season. It's a choice. It's a conscious decision. It's a, and, and to rejoice, it's a, It's a verb. It's a doing word. It says that you do something with it. To rejoice is to feel or show great joy or delight. And it, and it also, it refers to happiness. It refers to pleasure. It refers to joy and gladness and delight, elation, euphoria, jubilation and celebration. But it's a choice. We can choose. We can choose when the lemons are handed to us to suck a sour lemon or make lemonade. Make a great drink out of it that's going to refresh us and we're going to make the best out of every situation. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalm 118.24, This is the the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And in the New King James Version, rejoice is recorded over 240 times. Deuteronomy, I love this. Deuteronomy 39 to 10. Did you know God rejoices over you? The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. 
as he rejoiced over your fathers, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, you follow what God says. If we're obedient in what he's calling us and asking us to do, his promise is true. He is not a man that he should lie. And as we walk with him, he will bring to pass his promise that he's spoken over you. And how do we walk with him? I love what Micah says, Micah chapter 6. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? But you might say, what have I got to be rejoicing about at the moment? You know, we don't have to think hard to really think about that. The fact that you're even awake today, the way that you woke up this morning, that you've got breath of life, that God has given you another day to get it right, that God has given you food on your table, that you can, you can be listening online to his word, that the word of God that is active and sharper than two-edged sword that can work in your life and through you. You know, we have so much to be grateful for. We've got to be grateful for Jesus who paid that ultimate price so that we could know him as Lord and Saviour and that we didn't have to go to a Christless eternity because he's done the price. He paid the price. He's done it all for us. We can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, my Jesus. He has paid that price. You have that, that opportunity today to choose. Am I going to rejoice in him or am I Am I going to make make an issue of all of the small stuff and make an issue of some of the big stuff too? I'm not demeaning what some of us are going through. But I do know that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we can do it with joy. We can do it with grateful hearts. We can do it with thankful hearts. We can rejoice in the God of our salvation and he lifts us above our circumstances, way above those circumstances so that we're not buried with the, the things that are happening in our lives. And I can speak to you that that's from personal experience day by day how God helps me to keep my eyes on Jesus in everything that I need to do. You see, he loves you so much. He's with you. Rejoice that he's given you his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit lives within you. That power, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead, raised him from the dead, lives bodily within you. Rejoice that you have his power. Rejoice that you can hear his voice through his word. Rejoice that you'll hear that voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, and you can follow in obedience to love him with all your heart and all your soul. Love your fellow believers believers and love the lost the lost that's what we're here for we may be suffering but not to the extent that Jesus suffered for us that perfect lamb of God who's given his life for us he took our death he took it he played he, he died in our place so that we would not have to go to a Christless eternity and we have that hope and that joy in him knowing that we're going to be with him forever 
And in the meantime, we've got to take as many people with us as we can. We've got to share the hope that we have, everything that he is doing in our lives, the testimony that he has given us and the hope that we have. Yet I will rejoice. You see, it is an act of will. It's a decision and it's a choice. And we choose. We look unto Jesus. So don't allow our circumstances to to dictate our actions. We can all have a whinge and a gripe. And sometimes we really need to do it just to clear our plates. But then we've got to get on with it. Not be reactive, but be proactive as you allow God to show you his plan through the circumstances and what he wants to do. You see, even pure gold has got to go through that incredible refining fire where it's it's brought to such a high temperature so that all the dross can be scooped out. And without the heat and without that trial of heat and affliction, you know, there's no purity that comes. And the same is, is due with us unless we walk through those valleys of the shadow of death, you know, there there is no life afterwards unless we allow God to really work through those circumstances and he turns our trials into a triumph as we hold him by the hand and he takes us through. And then we get to verse 19, the Lord God is my strength and I love this. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills, acknowledging that God is your strength. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of need. He will make my feet like deer's feet. Another version says hind's feet. And there was a book that Hannah Hernard wrote called Hind's Feet in High Places. And um, I remember one of the first trips we went through Israel, looking up into the mountains and seeing these circle tracks around these hills and saying to our guide, Shmulek, what is that, Shmulek? And he says, that's the deer's feet. They make paths all the way up the mountains so others can come after them. But they, they go from rock to rock and, and as they traverse up the mountain, they make a path. And it was just so clear to be seen. And um, as they ever pushed upwards, but the story that Hannah Hernard wrote, it's an allegory for the um, for every Christian person who chooses to walk in God's will. And every name in the book uh, of this book um, is the embodiment of some of some form of human condition, both good and bad. And the little woman who features in this book, her name is Much Afraid, and her experience is always directly related to what our spirits go through as we grow and learn to connect and grow and mature in Christ. Hannah Hernard says, and I quote, There are no obstacles which our Saviour's love cannot overcome. The high places of victory and union with Christ can be reached by learning to accept day by day the actual conditions and tests permitted by God by laying down of one's own will and accepting his. The lessons of accepting and triumphing over evil or of becoming acquainted with grief and pain and of finding them transformed into something incomparably precious. These are the lessons of the allegory of the book. And it's a picture of us. It's a picture that despite the climb and despite being weary and the conflict and the persecution and the trials of the hardness of the walk that we're going through, God has a path for us to walk and it leads us up higher and it leads us higher up in that spiritual mountain to a place where we can be above our circumstances, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. From this place, we have the God perspective and we're not under our circumstances I mentioned before. God also sharpens our discernment and our understanding of the times that we're living in. And just like the man of Issachar to know what we should do, First Chronicles 12.32 says the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And God, as we draw close to him, we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us and he shows us the things we need to, to be aware of. He shows us the times that we're living in, the things that we need to do, the things that we don't need to do, just like the sons of Issachar. It's so important in the times that we're living in that we have an understanding from God's perspective so that we don't become bitter or hard or shut down to the suffering of those in the world because we're here to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to do his will to reach those that don't yet know him, the not yet believers. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 18.32, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Psalm 62.7, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And Psalm 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? To climb in his strength, we need to have a mountaineer's pack on our back. We need the protective clothing. We need the armour of God. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about being clothed with the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to be shod in his armour. That's our protective clothing. To plan, to plan the mountain that we've got ahead of us, we need to pray. We need to seek God for his way, his timing, his purpose. He will show you. He'll direct our paths so that we can move on through into what he has for us to do. He will show us the length that we're to go to. He will show us the season that we're to walk in. He will show us the rations that we need to take with us. And that's his food, his word. We need to be in his word to hear the things that we need. We need to also be so attuned to the sound of his voice as we are strategizing in the things that he wants us to do in the times that we're living in, that we're seeking him for wisdom, that we're seeking him for purpose, that he will show us the things that we want to do. You know, sometimes when we go up those paths, sometimes we do it with others. And, you know, when you travel together with someone else on a, on a common journey, it's an incredible shared experience. And there's such beautiful communion as you do that with people of the same spirit. But, you know, sometimes God calls you to do it on your own as well. Sometimes God calls you to walk that solitary path. And, and it's just for a season. 
and only God knows how long that season is going to be. But if we say yes to him, then our times are in his hand. But if we say no, then that season becomes delayed and prolonged and the fruit that's going to be born from the prayer and and the purpose of that season will be delayed and we don't want that. I don't want that. I know that for sure. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be able to say yes. When he says climb up onto this rock, I want to say yes. I want to spring up there, not in my strength but in his. I want to be obedient to God. And then we go in and we talk about the sword of the spirit. You know, when you go up a mountain, they use pickaxes and they throw the pick into the rock and that and that sharp um, tool anchors you into the rock. And that's what the word of God does for us too. It's the word of God that will anchor us on his good and perfect plan. It'll show us, it'll keep us cleaving, cleaving unto him and we'll be unshakable when we cleave unto him, when we, we're doing it according to his word. Ephesians six seventeen, sword of the spirit and Luke 4, it is written, face the enemy armed with his word, trusting him. Psalm 62, 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defence. I shall not be moved. And to take hold of that word, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, even climbing that mountain when you're in the will of God, you climb and you stand and you rest. You cleave unto him and the storms will come and the whiteouts will come and the blizzards will come. But when you hide yourself in the cleft of the rock, you're safe. And that's God. He is the rock of our salvation. When we cleave unto him, when we hold fast, no matter what's happening around our lives, we're safe in him. Don't give up. Don't say, I'm not climbing anymore. Don't don't say, I'm going down this mountain. This is too hard. Take a time and rest. Find a place, a plateau where you can, you can settle and rest in him while he strengthens you again. But don't give up. Keep going. Keep going because God has greater things for you to do. He has more for you to do. And there are incredible things that he wants to reveal to you and show you and he wants you to do because, you know, the plans that he has for you are for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope as you seek him with all your heart. He is a good God. Times of struggles hard roads, times of failure. There's always a rock that you can climb into, rest in him, rest in his perfect, absolute perfect love and allow that strengthening to come so that you can get up one more time and keep moving up that mountain. So today I just really want to really encourage you that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you've been and no matter what challenges you're facing, we will rejoice in the Lord, we'll joy in the God of our salvation, that God is our strength and he's going to make our feet like deer's feet and make us walk on those high hills. Amen. Be encouraged today, church. Do you know I always find that when stuff's really coming against me, it's the time when I, I'm so encouraged because I know that without forward motion there is no resistance. If you're doing nothing, there's not going to be a resistance coming against you. So when you're pressing forward into God and when you're taking ground and when you are really achieving something that is in his timing and his plan for you, you can know 
without any shadow of doubt there will be resistance but when you're doing it in his strength as his hope and his time and his purpose armed in the armor of god and holding fast to his word and his truth empowered by his spirit and loving on jesus just like he wants you to love on him every day you know you are you're bound for success and it just you know there's another scripture that says wait on wait on the lord wait on yeah wait on the lord Though the vision tarry, wait upon it because it will come. So it's waiting on him and his perfect timing and everything that he wants to do in our lives. So I'm going to close there now, church. But, you know, it might seem like, you know, you've got such a long way to go. But look over your shoulder. Look where you've come from. Look how far you've come. Look what God has done in your life. Give him praise and give him glory and rejoice in how good he is and thank him that his hand is on your life, that he's saved you, that he's redeemed you, he's called you by name and he has that perfect plan for your life. So don't lose your joy. Walk in his strength and keep climbing the way he wants you to. Let him make your feet like deer's feet so that you can climb to those high places in him. Let's pray this morning, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are an amazing, amazing, mighty God, and we thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Lord God, for all of those listening to the sound of my voice, Father, this morning, I pray that they would hear your voice speak through me, Lord God. Lord, I just want to get out of the way so that you can be glorified. But, Lord God, all I want to be is your mouth. <laughs> Father, I pray you would minister to each and every one today, Lord God, for those who don't know you, that they reach out to you now and say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Saviour and my Lord. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I ask you to plant me upon that rock that I might rejoice in you and serve you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer for the first time today that they would reach out to someone that can help them. They can get in touch with us online. We can help and resource them. But for those of us who are walking this walk, knowing you, Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would restore our joy, that we will rejoice in the God of our salvation. Father, we would be grateful that we would be thankful that we would Lord God just be so enamored with you yet again Lord God that we would choose to fix our eyes on you and that we would choose Lord God to walk in the path that you set for us not looking to the right or the left Father God that as conflict comes that we would run it through the God lens and your word and say Lord what are you teaching me through this that as trouble comes Father God that we could hold it hold it lightly and say what am I to do and what am I not to do what am I to say and what am I not to say Lord God use me Father God that you would give us strength Father to keep walking one day at a time and Lord God that you would just keep drawing us nearer to you as we draw to you Father God help us Lord God just to grow in grace and in and maturity Lord Help us to walk in joy and in peace and help us, Lord God, to share the love of Jesus wherever we go in practical ways, in spiritual ways, Lord God. Help us to be your hands and your feet in a community that needs you so much, Lord God. We ask for wisdom, Father God, the gift worth having. We seek your wisdom, Father, in all we need to do and we commit ourselves into your hands today in the matchless and the precious and most holy name of Jesus. And everyone said, 
Amen. Well, thank you for joining with us today, church. I hope you have an amazing week and I hope we can come together in church next week. So let's all be in prayer for each other. Let's reach out to each other to encourage everyone. And um, let's pray that uh, next Sunday we'll all be together in church again. God bless you. Have the most awesome week. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.